Today's scripture reading comes from the book of Luke, chapter 10, verses 38 to 42. Now as they went on their way, Jesus entered a village, and a woman named Martha welcomed them, him into her house. And she had a sister called Mary, who sat at the Lord's feet and listened to his teaching. But Martha was distracted with much serving, and she went up to him and said, Lord, do you not care that my sister has left me to serve alone? Tell her then to help me. But the Lord answered her, Martha, Martha, you are anxious and troubled about many things, but one thing is necessary. Mary has chosen the good portion, which will not be taken away from her. This is the reading of God's word. Amen. Thank you for that. Uh, Let's pray. Father, we thank you that we have the privilege to come together as a church to worship you, that we are that we can sing songs of praise, that we can read the word together, that we can hear the word of God being preached. And Father, we pray today that as we delve into your word, that you would speak to us. We pray that you would convict our hearts, that you would encourage and bless us and just remind us again of your love, your faithfulness. Remind us of our shortcomings and our need for, for Christ, for the gospel. And we pray that through your word, we would truly be encouraged and blessed and that we would, Glorify your name. We thank you. In Jesus' precious name we pray. Amen. So we are in the book of Luke, chapter 10. Um, pretty, pretty famous story of Mary, of Martha. And it's, uh, this passage is actually sandwiched between a very famous parable of Jesus, the Good Samaritan story. I'm sure many of you, probably most of you, if not all of you, remember that story. And obviously, the Good Samaritan story is a reminder of what it means to love our neighbor. And, you know, what is that call? And then right after the story is actually Luke chapter 11. Really, we have the Lord's Prayer, teaching of God's, just God's faithfulness as a father and obviously how to pray. And so in, in between these two, you know, very important um, passages, we have another important passage and I think for some people, it may be kind of like, you know, kind of a passing on kind of passage, and yet I think this passage, you know, it shows the importance of truly our communion with Christ. It really shows the importance of our fellowship, right, our relationship with Christ, and how that helps us in everything that we do, including how we pray, including how we love our neighbors, how we serve. And a little context here is, you know, Mary, Martha, Lazarus, this is a very important family. If you read your gospel, you'll know that Jesus was very close to this family. And I'm sure, again, many of you may remember Lazarus as the one that, that dies. And Jesus obviously comes to see him three days after he has died, and he actually raises him from the dead. It's actually a very important passage in John chapter 10 that we see. And so it's, this is that family. This is also the family where, of Mary, who, if you remember in the book of John, the whole alabaster jar where she pours this alabaster jar on Christ, right? And, you know, and if you study that passage, you'll know that the alabaster jar was about a year's wages, very expensive, um, expensive product that she pours on Christ and showing her devotion to him. And so we see an important family that Jesus is visiting. And if you look at the story again, Martha seems to be the head of the home, she invites Jesus to her home, and in the midst of inviting him and being a good host, 
we find Martha getting frustrated. We find her getting annoyed at her sister, but also at Jesus himself, it would, it would appear. And when she gets frustrated with Mary and seemingly with Christ, one might expect for Jesus to apologize, but he does not. Actually, he responds to Martha in an interesting way as he actually shows her where and how she is wrong. So we're going to look at this passage today and think about it, and uh, hopefully it will be a blessing to us. And um, yeah, and again, before we get into the passage, again, happy Mother's Day. Um, obviously, Pastor Francis you know, felt ill yesterday and asked me to preach, and so I, I didn't really prepare a Mother's Day passage per se, but honestly, as I was looking at this passage last night, I was thinking it reminded me of, of my mother a lot, at least Martha, right? Just the way she would always be a good host, and she would yell at me for not, you know, uh, getting things ready the way she wanted me to and things like that. But this little thing I want to say before we get into the passage is a lot of people look at this passage and they think Martha is the servant, Mary is the one who loves Jesus, and so really you shouldn't really serve, right? You just need to love Christ. And I just want to just point out, that's completely wrong, right? Like, there is nothing in the Bible that says you should not serve the Lord, you should not serve others, you should not bless others. If anything, I think it's a great thing to serve. And the fact that Christ is in your home, of course you want to serve him. The Bible is just really here pointing out what's truly the most important thing, right? So it's not a rebuke to anyone who wants to serve. If you're a servant, if you love serving and blessing others, you know, praise the Lord, yes and amen. Uh, that's not what the passage is saying at all, and I'm going to kind of get into that. But three points today uh, is devotion, distraction, and the good portion, right? Devotion, distraction, and the good portion. The first part here is devotion. Now, if you look at the passage, we see this devotion that Mary has. Um, we look at verse 38. It says, now as they went on their way, Jesus entered a village. A woman named Martha welcomed him into her house. And then verse 39 she had a sister called Mary, it says here, who sat at the Lord's feet and listened to his teaching. Right? She sat at the Lord's feet and listened to his teaching. Now, a couple of points here I want to say here is this. First of all, this is, in and of itself, this is kind of, you know, groundbreaking because in Jesus' time, typically, you know, you had male disciples, right? A lot of you know, teachers didn't really have female disciples, or someone reading this passage would have been a little bit surprised by this, or maybe very surprised by this, and it's a reminder, right, for Christ, it doesn't really matter who you are, right? He wants disciples of all, you know, genders and ages, and, you know, he's obviously, he just, he welcomes, and it's a reminder of that, but also look at the posture. She's sitting at his feet, and she's listening to him. Now, back in those days, it was very common for a teacher to be sitting down when he was teaching, and it was also common for those around him to recline and even to sit at his feet. But the important part is here. What does it mean to sit at somebody's feet? What did that mean? And you know, every scholar will say the same thing. To sit at somebody's feet meant you were giving them authority, right? It's very symbolic, but it's true, right? So when she is sitting at his feet, listening to him, devoted to what he has to say, she is showing Jesus that I want to learn from you. I want to know what you're teaching. But also she's telling him, I am submitting to you. 
But what you have to teach me, what you have to say, it means everything to me. So I want to know. But it's not just head knowledge. It's not just about learning things and knowing things and growing in wisdom. But it is also showing here that he is the authority. He is the Lord. He is the teacher. He is the master. And that's important. That is so important because when you look at our lives, what is our posture? To the word, right? This is devotion, right? Mary is devoted to Christ and his teaching. She wants to learn every little bit, but also she wants to submit to whatever he has to say. Why? Because of who he is. She's understanding who he is, how important he is. And for us, are we devoted to Christ and his teaching? When I hear the word of God being preached, what is what is my attitude? Am I just here just to learn some things, some of the head knowledge? Am I here, you know, just because I'm used to it, this is what I'm supposed to do? Or am I sitting, asking the Lord, Lord, show me who you are. Show me who I am. Show me my need of you. Show me. I want to learn. I want to grow. But also, as I hear the word of God being preached, am I then saying, Lord, this is how I want to live. This is how I want to worship. And then when I go home, when I'm reading the word of my own, well, hopefully, if I'm reading the word of my own, am I, again, reading the word in my devotionals or in my studies, and again, saying, Lord, teach me. I want to know you. I want to grow in you, and I want to submit to you. Or when I read the word or when I hear a sermon, is my attitude more like, yeah, I like this part. I don't like that part. Yeah, that kind of sounds right, but, you know, God, I think that's too much. I don't agree with that part or, you know, right? What is my attitude? Do I just pick and choose like a buffet, the things I want to take out of it, the things I don't like, and I toss it away? You know, as a pastor, I have heard so many people say, whether it be teenagers and children, whether it be college students, young adults, obviously older adults in their you know, 30s and 40s and 50s and 60s and even beyond that. And I've heard so many people say something in this line, you know, I know that's what the Bible says, but let's get real, right? Let's be real. I can't live like that. Nobody lives like that. Pie in the sky, too idealistic, not realistic, right? Maybe that works for you, Pastor, but eh, that doesn't work for me. And to be honest, that is often our attitude. But what we see with Mary is true devotion. She wants to learn. She's hungry, but also she wants to submit. My preaching professor in seminary, he used to give an example of what he wants to see when he preaches. And he said he liked to see the deer in the headlights look when he preaches. So we're like, well, what is that? And he said, think about it. He said, imagine you're driving on the road and a deer pops up on the road. And so what a deer will do will just look at you and just really focus on you. And he said, that's what I want to see. I want to see a bunch of people sitting down as I'm preaching the word. It's God's word, right? And he said, I just want them to look at me with a deer in the headlights look, just intense, listening, wanting to know more, wanting to grow. And I was like, yeah, that sounds great. But that is the posture we're called to have. When I'm reading the word, when I'm hearing the word of God being preached, Lord, teach me. I want to know more. I'm hungry. But also, as you teach me, I want to submit 
Even the parts that are hard, even the parts about forgiveness, right? Even the parts about honoring, even the parts that just sounds too much. Lord, I want to submit because it's all about you. Devotion. And I want to challenge us today. Let us be devoted. Let us sit at the Lord's feet when we hear the word of God being preached. Let us sit at his feet when we read the word on our own and we study it. Let's sit at his feet. Let us listen. Let us hunger. Let us thirst. And let us submit to his authority, saying it's all about you. So we have devotion, but then we have distraction. Look at verse 40. Martha was distracted with much serving, and she went up to him and said, Lord, do you not care that my sister has left me to serve alone? Tell her then to help me. Now, Understand this. She's, she's frustrated, right? She probably cleaned the house really nicely before Christ came, right? Those of you who host people, I'm sure, you know, you have your own system of what the house needs to look like, right? And, you know, often we love it when people come into our house and say, oh, your house looks so nice. And, you know, we might all have different rules of what our house needs to look like. My general rule is just leave the house the way it is. My wife's rule is everything has to be spotless, everything has to look great. And so I complain to her all the time. I say, oh, honey, I think our house looks just fine. She goes, no, it has to look a certain way. It has to present a certain way. The food has to be good. And so for me, I'm thinking in my head, oh, that means more work for me too, right? But, but I'm sure Martha wanted the house to be spotless. I'm sure she wanted to prepare really good food. These are all good things, right? She wants to bless Jesus. And, you know, whatever disciples were with him, maybe it was all 12 of them, maybe it was some of them. The pastor doesn't really explain all that. But whatever amount of people that came, she wanted everything to probably to be perfect. And she's going into the kitchen. She's probably slaving away. She's bringing food out. She's making sure everything is okay. And she sees Mary. And she's just sitting there, just listening to Jesus. And I'm thinking Martha probably is thinking, I want to hear what he has to say too. I want to spend time with him too. But I got to do this and I got to do that. And this girl, right, this sister of mine, how dare she? But then after a while, what probably happened is this. Jesus, if you had some sense, right, if you just cared about me, maybe you would just kind of understand what's going on and you would say, hey, Mary, Look at Martha, this dedicated, devoted woman who is so selflessly serving. Why don't you give her a hand? But Jesus is not saying a thing about that. So after a while, here's what I'm imagining. She's probably, you know, it probably starts with a little annoyance. It's building, it's building, it's building. And then finally, she can't take it anymore. So she goes to Jesus. And think of it, it's actually almost kind of rude. You have a guest in your house, right? You have somebody that you are serving, and then she says to him, Lord, and she doesn't even say, Lord, can you tell Mary to help me? Look at the harshness of the word here. Lord, do you not care that my sister has left me to serve alone? Right? It's not just a request, right? She's judging him, it sounds like, right? She's actually even thinking about his motivation or the lack thereof, do you not care, Lord, that my sister has left me to serve alone? And then she tells him what to do. Tell her then to help me, right? It's not really a request. It's kind of 
in your face, right? Lord, don't you care? Don't you care about me? Don't you care that she's not helping me? Tell her to help me. Now, in verse 40, Luke says that Martha was distracted. The word here really means to be kind of pulled away, to be pulled apart. So she's being pulled apart. Got a lot of things to do. She's distracted. And she's forgetting what the purpose of all of this was. What is the purpose of inviting Jesus into your home? What is the purpose of having him and whatever disciples he brought in your house to serve him, to spend time with him, to bless him? What has happened? It's not about Jesus anymore. Now it's about me. I wanted the perfect dinner. Right? I wanted to be the good host. I wanted everybody to have a good time. I wanted everything to go a certain way. It's not happening. So right, what happens? What's going on here? It goes from you. Now she's being distracted by all these things. It's becoming about me. And look at the response. Jesus says in verse 41, Martha, Martha, you are anxious and troubled about many things. And then she talks about what Mary is doing. But he says you're anxious. Right? That, that, that word there it just means you're being torn up. You're torn inside. She's being torn inside by what is going on. Everything started nicely. Please come to my home. I want to bless you. I want to feed you. I want to be a good host. But now she's stressed. She's frustrated. She's annoyed. She's anxious. She's being torn up inside. She's being troubled. She's kind of speaking in a, almost like a rude manner, it seems, to Jesus. What's happening? It's not about Jesus anymore. Now it's about me. I think this happens a lot. You know, we, we, we meet Christ, we get saved, or, or we have a time of refreshing, time of revival, spiritual renewal. I'm on fire for Christ. Jesus, I love you. I want to spend my life with you. I want to serve you. I want to, you know, I want to do this and I want to do that, and I'm going to live a certain way for your glory. And then what happens? We get distracted. We get distracted by all the things in life that pull us away from Christ, right? My job, my family, my hobbies, my friends, right? By, by possessions and money, by things I need to do, things, people I need to care for, and all these things are pulling away. Now, mind you, understand something here. Martha is serving Jesus. That is not a bad thing. That is a great thing. That's what you're supposed to do. But so it's not just the sinful things in my life that pull me away from Christ. It's not just the bad things in my life that pull me away from Christ. The good things in my life very often pull me away from Christ. Because they distract me. They become idolatries. Those things become more important than Jesus himself. That's what's happening here. For Martha, being the good host, everything going the way she wants it to go, that is much more important to her than even Christ himself. You see it in her words. You want to serve Christ, and now you're telling him that you don't, he doesn't care. And you're telling him what to do. What's going on? It's not about Christ anymore. It's about me. And so often, even the good things in my life, they distract me from what I really need to do, which is to love Christ, to serve Christ, to spend time with Christ, and it distracts me. I get troubled. I get anxious. I get torn up inside. And so what happens to Martha? First off, because she's torn up inside and she's anxious, right? There's a psychological problem for her, right? She herself is being torn up. 
She's not doing well. But secondly, there's a relational issue. Now she's upset at her sister, probably at Christ, so relationally now she has issues. But thirdly, obviously spiritually, this is Christ, this is God, and she's upset with him. And so we see what happens when we are distracted, when we are not focused on Christ, we have our own problems of anxiety and trouble being torn up. When we're not focused on Christ and we're distracted, we're going to have relational problems with other people. And when we're distracted and not focused on Christ, we are going to have spiritual problems with the Lord. And so often that is where we are at because we're not looking at Christ because it's about me and what I want, even the good things. It's all about me and how I want everything to happen. Even when I serve so often it becomes about me, right? It's not about, Lord, I want to serve you for your glory. No, I want to serve you, but on my terms. I want to serve you, but only in the way I want, and everything has to go the way I want it to go. I remember hearing a story from one of my professors in seminary, and he was sharing a story about him and his family, and he had planned a perfect vacation for him and his kids and his wife, he was excited. He had put months of planning, and you know they were going on vacation. They were in the car, and pretty much, he's thinking, "I'm the best father ever." But on the way, kids are complaining. They're whining. You know, his wife is complaining. And you know, when they got to um, to the to the location of their vacation, things didn't go the way they planned. Again, everybody's complaining. And he said, after a while, he just kind of lost it. He snapped at his wife. He snapped at his kids. He said, do you know how much I planned for this vacation? Do you know how much I have sacrificed? And he just lost it, and he flipped out on them. And then he said he realized after that he had to really repent. He said, I thought I was doing all of this for them. But then he said he realized I did it for myself because I wanted to be the perfect father. I wanted everything to go well. I wanted to be able to pat myself on the back and be like, look what I did. And so often, even when we serve God, that's our attitude. It's about me. It's got to go this way. It's got to be perfect. And when things don't go the way I want them to go, I get upset. Why? Because, again, it's not about Christ. It's about me. We're distracted by so many things. And when Christ is not the focus, that means there is some idol going on in my heart pulling me away from him, even when I do the best of things. And so what does Jesus say? And this is the last point where we have this devotion, we have distraction, and now the good portion, right? Jesus says, Martha, Martha, you are anxious about, troubled about many things, but one thing is necessary. Mary has chosen the good portion which will not be taken away from her. Now, I want to understand something here. First off, he says Martha twice, right? And that's what we call in the Bible magnification, and there's an intensity there, there's an emotion there. Really, in this context, it's affection. When he says Martha twice, he's showing Martha, he's showing us how much he cares for her. There's an intense emotion. So off the bat, we know that he cares about Martha. He's not saying this just to rebuke her harshly or anything like that. He cares about this woman. He probably really appreciates that she wants to serve him, but she, he, he realizes she needs to be corrected. And so he wants to show her something. He says, Martha, Martha, with affection, 
Obviously, again, we just talked about you're anxious, troubled about many things, or you're being torn up inside. Let me tell you what's necessary. And by the way, if Jesus ever tells us one thing is necessary, boom, right, we should pay attention, right? That's important. One thing is necessary. What? Mary has chosen the good portion which would not be taken away from her. But what does that mean, the good portion? And really, simply put, it's talking about fellowship. He's saying, what is the good portion? It's communion with me. It's fellowship with me. What is the most important thing? It's spending time communing, listening to what I have to say. Your soul's communion with Christ is obviously the most necessary and the most important thing. Because everything else passes away, right? Our wealth passes away. Our vocations will pass away. Our family will pass away. Our relationships will pass away. Every institution that we invest in our lives will pass away. The communities that we invest in will pass away. But the soul's communion with Christ that happens by faith in Christ will never pass away. And that is the one necessary thing, right? Because Jesus died for us so that we could have fellowship with him. Right? When we think about Christ on the cross, he says, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Right? We see that fellowship that's kind of broken on the cross where Jesus is forsaken. He says, why have you forsaken me? And he goes through that. Why? So that we, if we trust in Christ as our Lord and Savior, we could have fellowship with him. So we can commune with him and that should be our number one priority. You think of Matthew 6.33, but seek first his kingdom, right? The kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all will be given to you as well. What is this saying? It's priority. What he's saying is that before anything else, what has to come first? It has to be Christ, his kingdom, and we want to seek to commune and spend time with him, have fellowship with him. And then what happens out of that? We worship him. We serve him. And, you know, we do everything else, but everything comes out of that communion and that fellowship. I remember when I first got married, my wife and I had a pretty serious discussion, right? Because I realized we had a different perspective on what quality time was. So for me, you know, quality time was just time. Right? We spend a lot of time together. I thought we spent all day together, right? And just time, whether we're doing our own thing together. And for her, quality time was had to have a certain more intimacy to it. I right? had to have a certain more intentionality to it. And so we talked about it. You know? And I realized after a period of time that she was right, you know, that I was wrong. Right? Just because you're near somebody doesn't mean it's quality. It's quantity, which is important. Don't get me wrong. Quantity is important. But you need an intentionality. Right? You need a certain intimacy in that time. You need to talk about things that really you know, are matters of the heart and has a certain depth. And so I had to really tell myself that I need to change in the way I think and the way I, you know, I perceive and the way I process and the way I approach this time and this relationship. I think sometimes for us, we think, I go to church you know, I open my Bible. You know, for those of you maybe who do a daily devotion, I spend whatever amount of time just kind of get by a little checklist. I pray, you know, maybe on meals. Maybe I put a set of time, right? I serve. I do what God wants me to do. You know, I'm on the praise team or I teach or I do this 
committee or I must I lead a small group, whatever. I, and, and so we have a little checklist. And we just think, oh, if I do these things, I'm okay. And if I don't do those things, I feel guilty. But as long as those things are done, checklist done, I'm all good. And that is not what God wants. That is not what Christ wants. He wants a deeper communion relationship with us. When he died for us, it's because he wants to be with us, right? He wants us to be in his presence. And think about what heaven is, eternity with Christ. We're going to be in his presence, in communion with him for all eternity. And that is amazing. But even here on earth, the good portion is when I'm reading his word hearing the word being preached, when I'm studying that word and that gospel is moving in my heart and I'm just drawing closer to him, right? when I'm worshiping him and I'm praying to him, right? And I'm singing songs of praise to him. And again, I'm fellowshipping with him. I'm communing with him. And out of that relationship, out of that fellowship, I worship him. I serve. I be a blessing to others. I share about him and I live my life you know, to the best of my abilities, right? As a good father, as a good mother, right? As a good child, as a good coworker, as a good friend. And I'm saying, Lord, the good portion is my devotion to you. I want to be with you and live a life that honors you. But so often, so often, we don't think about that. Even those of us who serve faithfully, we don't think about the good portion, and we're distracted by so many things, even serving, even ministry, even doing good things. And Jesus is reminding us today, what I want from you is not just the actions. What I want from you is not just the serving. What I want from you is communion, is fellowship, is your devotion to me always. And here's the thing. We know that Christ is devoted to us. If you're sitting here, and if you're a child of God, if you have faith in Christ, if you know that you are saved, that means you know that Christ's devotion to you means that he even went to the cross to die for a sinner like you and me, that he went through hell itself. That is the kind of love and devotion he has for his people. And so let us be reminded to say, Lord, as you have been devoted to me, I want to be devoted to you. I don't want to be distracted by all these other things. And I want that good portion. I want to seek first your kingdom and your righteousness. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for you are so good. We thank you that we have a Savior so utterly devoted to us that he would even lay down his life for his people. And we pray, Father, that you would help us to not be distracted, not to be anxious and troubled and torn aside about so many things as you lose our focus on Christ, but that we will be devoted to you, that we will desire the good portion and to commune with you and to seek first your kingdom and your righteousness. We thank you. And in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.